Hello, and welcome to Unvarnished. This is a podcast dedicated to live storytelling, and I'm Taylor Williams, your host and creative director of Guts and Glory GNB. Unvarnished is a collaborative effort between uh, our organization and WUFT News. So we're coming at you from their studios there. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're lucky enough to have Randy Singer with us, who is a part of our Fieldwork Fails Storytelling Night at the Florida Museum of Natural History. So that was the second show that we've done with the museum dedicated to science. And this was a particularly fun one because we got to hear about funny failures, basically. So Randy, thanks for being here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So let's jump right into the story so that everyone can just get right to it. It's such an incredibly unbelievable one. Uh, we should we joked afterwards that we should have saved you for our pants on fire series, which you know one of the one of the storytellers is a liar, and because you're it's just so unreal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, while my pants have never been on fire, I've had ants in my pants, so I mean, you know, that's kind of similar. I think you just made up a new theme. Thank you so much. We'll give you the credit for that. But um, yeah, we could have called it either thing and had you there and it would have been appropriate. But so we'll jump into your fantastical story and then we'll talk to you about it. Sound good? Yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. Go for it. Okay, so the disclaimer is, you know, first, everything you're about to hear is entirely true. And, you know, my pants are not on fire currently. (laughs) Um, So I'm an ichthyologist. That means I study fishes. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, I was working on my master's thesis, and I worked on this group of fishes called loaches, which is kind of like a fish that looks like a catfish mixed with a minnow, and then they live on the bottom. Um, they're really popular in aquariums. Odds are, if a ki- as a kid, if you had a fish, you might have had a loach. Um, but the loaches that I work on are from Southeast Asia, and particularly the ones that we work on are in Thailand. And uh, Thailand, you know, is the tourist capital of, you know, that part of the world. Actually, it's almost one of the tourist capitals of the world. Uh, so people go there all the time, but the southern peninsula peninsula of Thailand is actually, believe it or not, one of the most dangerous places in the world. And, you know, there's religious warfare, there's, you know, gun shooting, liquor drinking, like farmers, you know, rubber farmers that, that live down there. And so it's not very popular among researchers or let alone tourists, for sure, Um so needless to say, my uh, lab decided to go there and look for look for fishes. And the main reason was there was this one species that I just had to have because I had specimens from northern Thailand and then I had some from Malaysia, which is just a hop, skip and a jump off the tip of peninsular Thailand. But I didn't really have any collections from in between. So I just I had to go there to, to, to complete that whole map going down the peninsula. And so, um, you know, it's expensive to go to Thailand. So my advisor from our lab decided that he would take a group of his colleagues and go sample in North Thailand where we needed some other fishes. And that um, myself, Zach Randall and Zach Martin, who the Zachs, as we called them. And from now on, I'll refer to Zach Martin as Marty because that's what we did, because it's really confusing when you're in the field. Like, hey, Zach. And they, you know, both turn around. Uh, decided to, you know, we're going to take our, we're graduate students. We're, we're in, you know, independent. This is like our fifth trip to Thailand. Uh, we can, we can handle going down there by ourselves. And so that's what we did. We met up with our 
um, another graduate student from a Thai, Thai university. Her name's Gay, and uh, our our friendly neighborhood driver, um, and got in a van and just hit the road. And uh, I don't know if any of you have done a lot of traveling in Thailand, but you know, the vans come fully equipped. I mean, this one had karaoke and it was sweet. You know, we drove 13 hours from, you know, Bangkok to the first part of, you know, where you start turning left and going down the really, really, really long peninsula of Thailand. And we were just, you know, rocking out to Bon Jovi the whole way or, you know, what (laughs) gangster's paradise, you know, all all of our favorite things. Uh, And, you know, but the sad part was, is... (laughs) we kind of picked a bad time to go at least weather wise because it just poured rain the entire time you know we were we were skunked out of so many sites that we were starting to get really depressed and you know but the good thing was as soon as we crossed that border into south thailand the sun just came out it opened up it's beautiful um and so we, you know, kind of laid our head down to rest that night knowing that the next morning we our first day collecting in south thailand would just be you know, this beautiful sun rich day. And so we woke up in the morning and it was just that it was beautiful. We went to the first site that we had picked out on our map and we just went to town, you know? Um, so I don't know if it, you know, if you're not familiar with how people collect freshwater fishes, let me set the, set the scene for you. Uh, imagine, you know, two giant poles and in between the two giant poles, there's a net. So that's called a seine net. And we usually set the seine net in the water at the end of a a riffle where the water's flowing and then somebody has a giant battery strapped to their back um, and you put one end in the water and then you put the other end in the water and that creates an electric current <laughs> and it doesn't kill the fishes it just kind of irritates them enough to where you can scoop them up in a net but you know if you don't stand up perfectly straight or you fall over you, know, you die you know so it's something you got to think about while you're while you're out there it's kind of like uh, fishing with a toaster and so we're out there with all of our equipment, shocking up some fishes, and we're just getting all kinds of beautiful things, all beautiful loaches, everything that we wanted from the trip. And we're walking back to the bank, and we just see up on the bridge, you know, this guy. And he's just standing there with his hands on his hips, and he's got a giant John Wayne belt buckle, uh, boots, and it looks like spurs, um, it you know, and he's just in a plaid shirt tucked in, you know, very, very John Wayne. And so he comes over to us and he's not happy. He starts yelling at, at us and, and our, you know, our friend Gay, who's translating for us the whole time. And it turns out we're on private property and he's an undercover cop, which evidently is very common in, in that area of the world is lots of undercover cops just wandering around. Um, and so he tells us that, we got to, you know, give, throw the fish back. We're going to go to jail or whatever. And so we show him our permits and he's a little less peeved. But by this time, you know, other locals are kind of gathering around us and equally confused and angry that we're, you know, shocking fish out of their river and taking them home. But none of them are like the size worth eating. All of them are like, you know, about five inches long or something like that. And so anyway, long story short, we throw that we end up having to throw the fishes back and get in our car and head on down the road but (laughs) jokes on them we've got a gps and we see that the river curves and touches the road a few miles down the road so we're like yeah all right we got this so we get in our karaoke van and go down the road and uh we find this one you know kind of uh private private road it's a dirt road we head down that road and we're tootling down and at the end of the road is this like warren buffett style like 
mansion. You know, we're talking like multi-levels with like gardens and gazebos and all this kind of stuff. And we park our van and we're like, oh man, you know, this is definitely somebody's house. We're going to try to be really careful. And so we we get out of the van and we go and we kind of skirt around the edge of the property and we realize, all right, we're not going to be able to get to the river unless we cross through this uh, property. And, you know, you might be thinking, oh, this is definitely where Randy messed up. You know, he went on the private property and we did not. We did not go on the private property. We promptly got back in our van and, uh, you know, got ready to go to another site. And just as we are pulling away, we see, you know, another Clint Eastwood gentleman come out of his house with his cowboy hat this time, a belt buckle, and you guessed it's spurs and a plaid shirt. Uh, and he, of course, is not happy. He's got a really good mustache now that I think back to it. It's pretty awesome for a, for a Thai gentleman. And, uh, you know, and he's yelling again. And so our driver gets out, Gay gets out, and this time they tell us to stay in the car because, you know, we might need to make a quick getaway or something. I don't know. Uh, and so we went for like 10 minutes, but it felt like an hour while they were just talking about the, our fate, you know, whether or not we we're going to be thrown into the deep, dark dungeons of South Thailand or not. Um, and so they come back and they tell us, well, turns out we just pulled up at the regional magistrate's house, which I still am a little fuzzy on what a magistrate is. I think it's basically like a mixture between a judge and a cop, kind of like judge dread or something like that. And, uh, and so he's, you know, he was angry at first, but then suddenly quite intrigued that a, a whole van full of ichthyologists just happened to pull up at his house and his his uh, cousin is uh, is the regional manager of fisheries and we should definitely meet him. And we tell Gay, no, 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 we're not. We've got, you know, we got field work to do. Go ahead and, and tell him that we're not going to be able to, to do this. And she just turns back with, you know, the most terrified stone cold face about, you know, we, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, she tells us and she's like, we probably should just stay because these people have all the power in the area and they're going to just tell us to go home, you know, if we make them mad. So we're like, all right, whatever, we'll stay for, we'll stay for a bit. And so we're shown to this gazebo on the property where there's like a, a table setting with like snacks and, and, you know, drinks and stuff like that. And we all sit down and, and, you know, we just start sitting there awkwardly talking to each other while Gay and our driver talk to the gentleman, you know, who owns the property. But as we're sitting there, just more and more people start showing up, you know, and it's, and it's a lot of belt buckles and a lot of, you know, cowboys, but then, then it starts transitioning into people in military fatigues with automatic weapons. And then finally the coup, the, the crown on jewel on the, uh, the visitors was a gentleman in full dress, military attire complete with you know the giant brick wall of of uh ribbons and the medals and all that kind of stuff and we're just like wow man there's a whole parade going on here just for us and you know we asked gay finally we're just like what gives man why why are there so many people here and it turns out that um the 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 you know regional magistrate whose house we happened upon he uh his son is the chief of police, naturally. You know, I mean, everybody's related, I guess, around here and all, all levels of nepotism and power. Uh, and he's getting married. And, yeah, that we just happened to uh, pull up on a uh, late late morning, early afternoon bachelor party. And so, yeah, here we are. We're at Now we're at a bachelor party. It went from uh, bad to worse or what, however you want to look at it. And so uh, I don't know if any of you have heard of the term, uh, you know, uh, what was it called? It's called uh, vacation tourism, you know, where somebody 
keeps you there so long with their friendly attitude and, you know, giving you drinks and food that you're just too satiated to leave. You know, that's kind of what this felt like. I didn't know if we were at a, you know, a lunch, a luncheon on the, on the green or a, uh, you know, being kidnapped by uh, the Manson family. So one or the other was going on and we're all doing, you know, crazy paranoid things like having our phones out recording what's going on under the table in case we need to like toss it into the woods, you know, after we're murdered. And, uh, you know, the, it just went on and on. And, you know, the we were there for several hours and we, we were privy to such wonderful things as a private tour of a local rubber plantation where uh, the guy that, you know, I guess it was his brother or brother-in-law or something like that informed us that if, you know, if you're ever in Thailand and you trespass into a rubber plantation, you will be shot. And like, wow, oh, thank you. That's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> be really careful next time. And uh, another 14, around 14-year-old 14 kid uh, tried to trade uh, Marty uh, a nickel-plated magnum for uh for his iPhone, that was also interesting. I still think he should have he should have made the trade. I think we could have smuggled it back somehow. But um, anyway, so after a, a long day of of partying hard at the bachelor party, you know it's starting to get a little late. the The guy's son is getting kind of bored. Frankly, I mean, I can't imagine he was more bored than we were. But um, and decides he's going to go hang out with his friends. You know, party hard on his last night as a bachelor. And we're like trying to piggyback on that you know like oh yeah great yeah he's he's gonna go you know oh we should go too you know we've got stuff we got to do and you know they start talking gay starts talking to them and tie about you know presumably how you know we're gonna leave or whatever and you know we're thinking oh no you know they're probably gonna invite us to the the wedding or something you know gay are they trying to invite us so she's like no 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 they're not gonna do that and we're like oh thank you she's like they want you to be in the wedding kid you not this is actually happening to us we are now being asked to be in this wedding i just i don't know i can't even believe i can't even believe this that it, that it's happening and um and so of course we we do it why not you know um and and you know they turn to us and you know the 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 dad or you know the father of the the groom or however you want to call it you know starts pointing at all of us waving his finger and, you know, saying something and Gay goes, well, he wants to know if any of you are, are married. And instantly everybody just points to me. And I'm just like, come on, guys. Are you serious? Like, if they ask if you're married, you always say no. You know, that's just like the unspoken rule, you know. And so they tell me that evidently it's really good luck in Buddhist wedding ceremonies if your best man is married. So add that one to my, uh, you know, official CV as a Buddhist wedding best man. And so we uh, we learned a Buddhist chant, which I will definitely not repeat because I will totally butcher it. Um, and we were told when and where to be there and promptly sent on our way. And we kind of, it was by this time the sun was already setting, so we didn't have time to go collecting anymore. And we were kind of depressed and terrified and worried about the future of our trip. And, and you know, we just kind of go to sleep for the night. And we're woken up by a uh, tap, tap, tapping on our door in the morning and a wonderful uh, fully military fatigued police escort to the wedding I guess either to make sure we knew where to go or uh, keep us from running away like we thought about many times and uh, we went to the wedding and it was absolutely beautiful I did I did my part uh, shouting my Buddhist chant 
we had we had just sat down for some wonderful wonderful Thai food at the wedding, and just as we were taking you know a second bite or so, we were promptly told to uh, get the heck out. It was time to leave. You know, all right, token token foreigners, it's time to go. Uh, I just felt like a used you know used sock or something. You know, like we had been there and showed off and paraded around. I mean, I was the best man for crying out loud, and they're just kicking me out. And you know, you do what you got to do. So you know. Um, and we find out that we're not just being kicked out for, for all of our troubles and for all of our, you know, taking the time to study and learn our, our, our part in the wedding, that we get to, we have permission now to go collect in a national park, you know. And wow, man, okay, this totally was not a waste of time anymore. You know, we've, we're feeling good about ourselves. Um, that we're shown to a, a gentleman on a motorcycle who um, in Thailand, everybody has very complicated names, like one of our friends is uh you know Weirapong Tanjit Jeroen, but everybody just calls him you know Pong, and then this guy had a very long you know native Thai name, but everybody just called him Piglet, and so we followed Piglet to the national park, um, and of course, as you can imagine, it was beautiful. You know, we pull out our giant battery-powered shocking contraption, and we go in the go to town. The water is so deep; it's about up to our chests, and it's just coming off the mountain like roaring, super loud. So we can barely hear anything, and but we're just high on life, catching all these beautiful fishes that nobody's ever caught because they're in a national park. And we were just so excited, and it was so loud that I barely missed the bullets hitting the water in front of us as we were collecting. And you know, I look up, and there's a guy with a semi-automatic rifle just pointed at us, like letting some rounds loose. And I just freeze, and I just go into this other realm of subconsciousness where I just I see my wife and you know, my kid, future children, like playing in a field. And I, you know, I see myself with my jars of fishes back in the museum. And I imagine myself with my, my good friend at his wedding. And, you know, I'm his best man shouting my Buddhist chant. And it's just, I'm on, you know, I don't even realize that this is happening until I snap back and I hear gay screaming at the guy to stop shooting at us. Um, And then we look up for help from Piglet and he is, like already booking it homeboys like on his motorcycle like he's out of there and we're just like this is it we're dead we're gonna die here you know we're gonna this wild twilight zone trip is gonna end with our own demise you know so um but luckily gay talks him kind of down off the roof and evidently he tried to yell at us many times and we couldn't hear him in our you know exuberance for collecting fishes and you know like as we're talking, uh, Piglet comes back with his stack of papers and uh, shows them that you know we are fine. You know we finished collecting. We pack up the van and we're just like, you know what? Maybe South Thailand's you know not really the place for us. And we, you know, karaoke our way out of there. You know, and the, you know just this land of crazy wild west. You know, people who are just living on the edge, man. They're living on the edge of like insanity down there and we were fortunate enough to go visit and collect all the fishes we needed but you know i'm really happy that we left (laughs) you made it out to tell the tale yeah you know one one of many wacky wacky and wonderful field tales but unbelievable we said this at the show but it's like you i never knew that the life of a scientist was like this like the chances and and the crazy things that happened to you guys traveling but just like in the lab I mean, all of your stories were about these wild adventures. Um, this one being 
quite incredibly wild. Yeah. I mean, my best friend was a physical (laughs) chemist and I was always so jealous of all the cool things. Like, oh, I'm making cobalt stick to nickel and they're going to use it in cell phones one day. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. And then, you know, like he stayed in the lab his whole life. So it's, I mean, I get to get shot at and, you know, (laughs) go to weddings, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quite the mix of experiences. And that's what's so fun for me as a story nerd is being able to, you know, we craft this show around a theme of, of fieldwork fails. And then this story is so much more than that too. I feel like this is, this is always reminds me um, of that movie, the hangover, but it's like the science version of the hangover. What's not to like. It's amazing. And it's so funny because it came, we went on this trip, I believe it was like a year before the hangover came out. And when that movie came out, I was just like, Dude, that, that movie's about us. Right? It's so it's, <laughs> it's semi-factual. <laughs> Who let our story out? Yeah, you guys didn't even get any of the royalties from I know, it. Yes, right? it's messed yeah. up. Yeah, don't tell tell too many people. Hopefully, there's no Hollywood producers <laughs> listening to Unvarnish because they might take it from you, Randy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just um, it's it's so cool to. Um, you know, like all your details are so fun and to wrap it into this Wild West. I mean, I had no idea that that's what Thailand was like. That's not how I would picture it at all. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, South Thailand. They're just there's this whole Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, agnostic tri- quadrifecta war that's going on down there for right. territory. And it's it's nuts. Yeah. And you guys are just all in, in the middle of it. Yeah. When you when you were um, so you're a Ph.D. candidate. Hmm? Okay. And so when you went into just science in general, this is a real question from someone who is not a science buff. Do you know going in that the field that you're choosing could put you in situations like this? Like, do you know you're going to have to go on these wild adventures? I think like it depends on what you work on. But as far as if you're working on animals and you're doing like biogeography or taxonomy like you know describing new species or looking where species live if you pick a group that lives somewhere that's dangerous i mean you could possibly go there but then also on the flip side um you know i work on deep sea fishes too but i'm not getting in a sub and going down there so one thing that i (laughs) get to do is is that you know i use either machines like robots to go out and look down there or we use museums and that's the cool thing is so we build on the history of people who have collected all around Mm. the planet for hundreds of years and we can look at their specimens to get the same information as the ones we collect ourselves. that's what like i was saying so we had stuff from the north we had stuff from the really far south that was collected you know 20 30 40 years ago but we just needed to fill the gaps and that's so i like i had to go but i didn't even necessarily have to if somebody had already been there you know right and that's what you were saying when your life is flashing before your eyes <laughs> and you're picturing yourself back in the museum that's what you're making reference to oh, yeah. right like the comparisons you can make that's so cool mm-hmm. and the florida museum is such a fun place for this show because it's almost like you guys are home and in, you know, in a place where you can do your research and telling stories under this big mammoth about your, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. that, yeah with the skeleton there. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, and tell us, too, like something that's fun for me that you and I have talked about is that you're also a um, you've also done improv like I have. And there's <laughs> something about your style that I told you felt very familiar. And then it turns out we were both improvisers. And, oh, yeah. yeah. That, I just love that. I love especially like filming. Like that was my favorite thing to do that. I like hopefully like whenever I get a career and I'm set up, I want to like go back to doing that kind of stuff again, like making movies or like goofy sketch kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's so fun. It's and I just so don't get fun. To do it enough. Yeah. Now it's yeah. just like a show for like two. Like I do it for my kids, you know, or whatever. Right. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Maybe you can, uh, 
you know, we were talking about Hollywood producers, but maybe it's you making the science version of, uh, <laughs> of The Hangover. Or you can be the next Bill Nye, but in like a c- comedic sort of way. Who you knows? know, I don't know. That's probably like a bad joke to make to a scientist. Like, oh, yeah, Bill Nye thing. You know what's so funny? <laughs> he's is, great, though. Is he's just he's good. He's, yeah, he's, so he's good. solid. You can't even fault him. You know? I know. Exactly. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you is that I feel like you are the person in my life who has taught me that you can say fishes. Oh, yeah. And when I heard you say that, I thought, can I start saying foxes? and deers so, and so cactuses. Here's, if you learn nothing from this show, this is this is the one tidbit to take home. Okay. The listeners and everybody or whoever. Right. Is that a fish, when, you, when you're working on fish, it's one species or one individual. So I'm looking at a parrot fish. This is one fish. Or I'm looking at a school of parrot fish. Look at those fish over there. Okay. But if you're working on multiple different species or it's a group, a shoal of, of fishes, Fish as is when you're looking at multiple different species. Wow. Yeah, so I work on fishes, but I study, sometimes I study fish. That is so great. Yeah. And now I can go home and tell my kids oh, that yeah. mom's like, yeah, I've, yeah, I've been correcting them and it turns out they know about species and I just, they were oh, teaching yeah. me something. Yeah, if they watch Octonauts, I mean, they're already basically marine biologists. So, wow. You know. so we'll just round up to that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Well, um, we know that you have exciting things coming up um, in your career as you get towards the end of your PhD. So I'm um, just really excited for you to see what you do with the fishes. Yeah. And, and maybe on film, too. Who knows, man? I, that would be great. Yeah, totally. Combine them, and then we'll have you come back when you're famous, and we could say we knew you when you know. <laughs> we, knew, we knew him when he was a lowly, uh, you know, grad student or whatever. Uh, shocking fish out of the water with a toaster. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> well, thanks for coming, Randy, and um, just I love that story, and now it shall be archived for everyone. Uh, I'm stoked. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> awesome, thank you. And this has been Unvarnished with WUFT and Guts and Glory GNB, and I'm Taylor Williams, your host. Uh, tune in with us next time and we'll have more exciting stories coming at you. Thanks. Bye.